Hello, Kristen here with a new thing. Okay, so the bad news. We can't all move to Canada if Trump wins. The good news is that we can face whatever is coming together. And the antidote is for facing it together. It's for monthly gathering where we practice building resilience in the body long before November 5th. So you're going to practice returning to your body, your breath, and your being when the stakes are really low, when we're just in a Zoom room together, so that you build those muscles and they're easier to access when you really need them. And in case of a Trump win, you will really need them. And in case of a non-Trump win, you'll have them forever and it will be great regardless. <laughs> you can find all the details at jointheantidote.com, J-O-I-N-T-H-E-A-N-T-I-D-O-T-E.com. Promo code TRUST takes $33 off before March 12th because trust. Again, that's jointheantidote.com. Enjoy the episode and I'll see you on the other side. Hello and welcome everyone to Stop Self-Sabotage. Typically, there's a few minutes between when things start and when people actually arrive. So I just want to say a couple of things. The first thing is thank you for coming. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I know it's not easy to carve out time to be anywhere live, even if it's virtual. So thank you for that. Uh, A couple of things that will help you do the best with this situation that's going to happen. Um, first, even if you are the most introverted introvert, there are a couple of places that you can leave comments and questions. You can just type, you almost talk to me. Um, the first is on the page um, where you came to view the event via the web. You can either submit a question, there's a Q&A form right there, or there are Facebook comments. Either way, I will see them, I will answer you, and all will be well. Um, unfortunately for me and the technology, the only way for me to know that you're here, other than to just have a number of how many people are here, is for you to leave a comment or ask a question or otherwise interact with me to be entered to win the uh, the seats brave. Otherwise, you're just like number seven, and I don't know who you are or where you are, so I can't actually give you anything. <laughs> so if you would like to win a seat to brave at the end of this, you're going to have to do something wonderful and magical, which is leave a comment. Um, ask a question or otherwise interact with me. That was not even a trick. That's just how it is. And if you're like, I don't want to see the brave, then you don't, you can just go silent. It's totally cool. So um, the other thing, aside from please feel free to ask questions or make comments at any time, even if it's just like, hey, I'm here, that's totally okay, um, is if you put down um, your screens or your other tabs or the other things that are vying for your attention at the moment, um, then you can actually hear what I'm saying, and I just might be able to help you stop self-sabotage. So otherwise, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but if you're not willing to listen, then I can't help. But it's just the rules. It's the way it is. Uh, and finally, again, thank you for coming. I expect to talk for probably between 20 and 25 minutes, depending on how fast I talk, because I get all fucking pumped and go fast. And then I will open it up to Q&A. So don't think that because I'm not answering your question, I don't care. I'm just sort of waiting to batch them. And then I'll address all the questions at once. And then at the very end, I'll give away a seat uh, to Brave. So thanks for coming. 
and uh, let's make some magic happen. Here we go. This is Stop Self-Sabotage. I was going to call it Brave 101, but that seems too fucking basic because self-sabotage is like a 101 and a 201 and a 301 level class. It just, it just keeps having layers and layers and layers. When I was thinking of how to start this, I thought, oh, man, there's this book that I have on my uh, shelf that I've been referring to um, quite frequently lately. You might want to pick up a copy yourself. It's called Hope in the Dark. It's by Rebecca Solmeet. And um, this quote is the beginning and end of all the quotes, and it's the, the basis for today's class. Resistance is, first of all, a matter of principle and a way to live, to make yourself one small republic of unconquered spirit. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to do it again. Resistance is, first of all, a matter of principle and a way to live, to make yourself one small republic of unconquered spirit. And I feel like, what the fuck does that have to do with self-sabotage? Hang with me. To make yourself a republic is going to require really strong boundaries. You don't have to build a border wall, because we all know they cost at least $8 billion, and you probably don't have that. But you are going to have to decide where the shores of yourself begin and the rest of the world ends. You're going to have to do your best to keep those shores tightly defined as they will want to erode over time. When you're tired or in despair or angry, you're going to think more Facebook or more news or more ingesting of current events is the answer. Sometimes those things are the answer, but first you have to define what is not the answer to the way you feel. The answer to becoming a republic of unconquered spirit is not ignoring your own nutrition, hydration, or sleep for the sake of doing your work in the world. No one ever saved the world or did their work in the world on a strict diet of ice cream, coffee, and two hours of sleep a night. These are the needs of the animal of your body. Food to nourish you, water to hydrate you, and sleep to reset all your systems. These needs are annoying and ever-present and daily, but self-sabotage starts here. When you don't eat well, you feel cranky, and then your body craves sugar for a quick boost of energy, which leads to eating more sugar, which makes you more cranky, and on and on and on the cycle goes. When you don't get enough rest, you wind, up, you wind yourself up on caffeine and sugar and salt, and you don't have the energy to make good decisions or to care about hydrating, and then your body has no choice but to ask for more caffeine and more sugar and more salt, whichever is your choice, and the cycle spirals further and further out of control. So at its very core, self-sabotage starts with what you put on your plate, in your cup, and on your pillow. Also, I say pillow, not pillow, because Western PA. Namely, is your head on your pillow for eight hours a night? Are you making the effort to eat nutritious foods? I'm not saying good foods or bad foods. I'm saying nutrition versus not nutritious. And then you can have your Twinkie after you've had your fucking salad. I don't care. Um, Are you drinking at least four glasses of water a day? Are you sleeping for eight hours a night? or more. Before we get to all the more advanced forms of self-sabotage that have way more subtlety and nuance, please answer those questions honestly. They're simple and they're boring, but they aren't going away. Unfortunately, you're not going to stop being human at any point here soon, so you're not going to stop needing food and hydration and nutrition, and that's boring and terrible, and I make a lot of money coaching people, and I start with that, and it's really boring, and they hate it too, but that's where we start. With those basics squared away as the absolutely critical building blocks that make the rest of your work possible, we can begin. 
Resistance is first of all a matter of principle and a way to live, to make yourself one small republic of unconquered spirit. You're going to need boundaries. Boundaries as in where do you stop and other people begin? What is it fair for your family to ask of you? What is it fair for your community, your clients, or your country to ask of you? You'll have to decide. I can't make those decisions for you, but you'll have to take a hard look at what you can handle at this moment. And I'm going to use a really current example um, because I really, really thought that I had boundaries on lock. Like, I am so good at this shit, right? I check email once a day. I keep my clients on track without letting them take over my life. I write most mornings. I publish a weekly podcast. I have free time and time for joy and time for relationships, and I'm managing my depression. Like, ha, 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 I win, right? You all know where this is going. And then Trump got elected. I'm using Trump as an example because it's urgent for me and it's pressing at this moment. But there are many, 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 many reasons that you could have a similar thing happen. So don't lose me just because I said Trump, okay? This is my story. Hang with me. When he was elected that morning, I cried harder than when some of my closest relatives died when he was elected. Not because of him per se, but because the vision of the country that I'd grown up believing in had died. And that sounds dramatic, but it's absolutely true. The vision that I held so tightly of people being ultimately not racist and ultimately not sexist and ultimately not xenophobic and ultimately decent had died. In other words, my entire worldview died that morning. Maybe yours did too. Or maybe it didn't, but you can think of a time when everything you thought you knew in some way died. It can look like having a baby because that your single life or your life before baby is it's gone forever. Or it can look like the diagnosis of a chronic illness or finding out that you have to make X thousand dollars if you don't want to lose your house. It's a big, big change that happens in an instant that causes huge shifts in your worldview. And then what's ushered in is disorientation. This is a whole new world in which I don't yet know or understand the rules. It's completely disorienting. I don't know my way around here. I don't understand who to trust. I don't understand what to say. I don't understand how to act. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. Before Trump, my business life and my political life never touched. And that's because I didn't have a political life. My activism, even when I wrote Change the World, Damn It!, was limited to raising funds for causes I cared about in a completely non-religious, non-partisan, everyone-can-get-behind-housing-orphans kind of way. If you're like, I fucking hate orphans, fuck them, then it's easy to put you in a category that's like, well, fuck you too, and that's it. And so I went with like the least controversial cause in the history of the world, which is orphans need to be raised by people who care about them, right? Now, I'm disoriented. So I have questions like, how much of my political views make it to my business? How much of my activism do I share? How much money do I have to raise versus keeping money for myself because I need to eat too? How do I wake up and keep going in the face of my faith in humanity being shaken to its core? How do I handle the pendulum swings between rage and despair that happen on a daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes minute-by-minute basis? This is disorientation. And these questions require the drawing of boundary lines. Where politics and the nation's going on used to be kept strictly off limits, like I cannot watch the news, it hurts me. 
used to be my boundary. Now they are begging to enter my life because this shit is fucking crazy. I can't stand by and not get involved any longer. But again, these questions, right? It's a whole new world. How much do I share? What does it mean for me to be successful in this new world? How much emotional energy do I give this current situation? Where do I focus my efforts? How do I navigate this surreal new reality? Disorientation means you're in a whole new world that's been birthed within this one. Everything might look the same from the outside, like I still live in the same house and I have the same job and I wear the same clothes as I did a week ago, but everything has changed. And in disorientation, you don't know what to do with it just yet. The first step, and this seems painfully obvious, is acknowledging that you are, in fact, disoriented. You're somewhere you've never been. The entire world is someplace it's never been in this moment, so you can rest assured that you're not alone. And as you learn to navigate in this reality, and yes, you do have to learn to navigate all over again, you're going to fumble and falter. It's inevitable since this is all new, but you've learned to survive before and you can do so again. Stopping self-sabotage means you have to get brave about your boundaries. And if you don't want to use the current political climate here, which I'm asking about in these questions, I want you to think of the thing that's just constantly coming in and trampling your everyday life. It might be that you let your clients come in and trample you completely and totally. It might be that you let your mother-in-law come in and trample you or your kids or a current situation at work, whatever it is. How much of that are you letting into your life? So for me, the question is, how much of the current political climate am I letting into my life? Every minute on Facebook or Instagram is another minute in which I am probably going to see a video clip article or meme that incites outrage and or despair. So how many minutes am I capable of handling? And remember, if not political climate, then other thing that tries to take over your life in establishing boundaries. When are you letting the current political climate into your life? If your best work needs to happen in the morning, then your mornings probably shouldn't involve social media because that's where the political climate is happening. If your best work needs to happen between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m., then you base your decisions for the day and what you consume around keeping yourself fresh for those hours. So the question is, when does your best work happen, and how can you safeguard that time to do your work? Because if you align all of your efforts with that having that one hour when your best work gets done, you're going to find that you have to draw up a whole lot of boundaries to get to that place. You're going to have to eat breakfast earlier or later. You're going to have to put down your phone. You're going to have to buy an alarm clock instead of using your phone as an alarm clock. You're going to have to say things like, we don't talk about Trump here or there or before coffee. You're going to have to have a lot of work that doesn't seem to be related that is about being brave with your boundaries to stop self-sabotage and to actually get your work done. And then the question is, how much can you let in, like in minutes? So for me, in the political climate, I have 15 minutes or less before I am totally outraged, angry, and out of shit. Like, I just can't care anymore. And then I, you know, I usually push it past that because I'm still learning. I'm, still, I'm like, I'm not totally out of shit. I mean, I have like three shits left. And then I push it until I don't have any shit. And this is new to me because I'm usually really fucking good at boundaries. So I come to you from a place of having fallen from the high pedestal of knowing boundaries and being like, oh, they have to be actively negotiated again in this moment. 
they have to be actively negotiated when you're in this orientation. And then when you're in those minutes where you have, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, if you're superhuman, two hours of social media, um, you can use those minutes that you've allotted yourself, which no one's going to police, but you're going to have to listen to. You can use those to click aimlessly from article to article, getting more and more mad or sinking into despair. Or you can use them as focused time to work in a way that suits you. So for me, and using the political climate as an example, I can use that to resist in every way I know how. I'm going to give you three sites, tangent, three sites to resist that give me tremendous faith in the world. One, brandnewcongress.org. Two, sheshouldrun.org. And three, trumpresistance.today. Trumpresistance.today is just five minutes every day. They give you new activities to do, which is so fucking helpful because you're like, I don't know. Do those things. You'll feel better. Where is political talk off limits? And again, if not political talk, then where is marketing talk or business talk or talk about the kids or about school or homeschool? You get the idea. You can create a place where Trump's name cannot be mentioned, viewed, or ingested in any form. You can create a place where you don't talk about some nagging aspect of your life so that you can take a break from it. Maybe you're totally fucking broke. And so you make a space where you're not totally fucking broke or where you don't discuss it. You can talk about anything except how you're totally fucking broke. Maybe you don't talk about finances in the bedroom. Maybe you don't talk about the kids when you're out with your partner on date night. Maybe you don't talk about your business or marketing or your work over dinner. You make up these boundaries and you are fierce with them and then you adjust them over time because boundaries are in constant need of adjusting. The minute you make a boundary, some T-Rex type creature is going to come in and trample those fences and then you're going to make new fences and then those are going to be tested too. But again and again, you make new fences. You don't stop making those fences and defining what boundaries look like for you. Boundaries in action for me look like not touching my phone for an hour before bedtime, keeping screens out of the bedroom, not talking about Trump or anything political before my morning coffee, checking email just a couple of times a day, limiting Facebook to 15 minutes a day. That includes when it's just open as a tab in my browser, keeping a list of political actions to take each day, sleeping for at least eight hours a night, keeping healthy and nutritious foods in the fridge, and hydrate relentlessly. That's a lot of shit, <laughs> right? And many of those policies are new since I'm still adjusting to this wild new world. They might change. They might need tweaking. They might fall away altogether. I, who knows? Because I'm experimenting. And the name of this game is experimenting. Just as you experiment with how much sleep you need each night versus how much you would like to get, or which foods make your body feel best the next day, or how much wine you can drink without getting a hangover. You experiment with how and when you function best with these boundaries. To stop self-sabotage, you're going to have to set and maintain boundaries for yourself. There isn't going to be anyone to police your efforts or make sure you're doing your work. There's only your own sense of self-respect. And of course, your own sense of self-respect leads us to the other four ways to stop self-sabotage. So we all know how to do this whole self-sabotage thing. First, at least for me, you eat lots and lots of everything that you know you shouldn't. My advice is ice cream. I prefer sprinkles. I prefer any flavor that starts with salted or salted caramel. 
and then just goes on from there with chocolates or brownies or whatever they decide to add. And then once you're full of sugar and or salt, I don't, I don't want to judge your vice there, you pretend you don't know what to do next or you pretend that you're completely overwhelmed or you actually are completely overwhelmed. And so you don't do anything at all. You wallow. But you do take action. You just don't take the right action. You take action like you pretend your life doesn't feel two sizes too small by making it look absolutely perfect on Instagram. At Sears Ship, um, there was uh, one, of, one of my girls, I tried to protect privacy, um, felt really horrible because she judged this woman. Uh, this woman had kids, and she would style their messes beautifully to talk about how she loved the mess of childhood. And, then, and she felt really horrible on following her on Instagram. I was like, she's styling messes. She's making a mess into perfection porn. I understand that that might be her coping mechanism, but that is also, my God, you don't have to subject yourself to that. So whether you're the person perpetrating the mess styling or the person consuming it, you don't have to consume that. You can stop. Um, You can also buy another book or 12 to carry out research for another six months or six years. So just breathe everything and just keep consuming books. You can decide to make another income stream instead of, making that art or class or project or work you really adore. Now, if it happens to line up that the income stream is the art or class or project or work you really adore, then by all means do it. But if you pull away and go, logically, I need to make this income stream before I can do this thing I care about, there's a disconnect there. You can scowl at me and click around without listening to what I'm saying because BuzzFeed. You can endeavor to learn new and arbitrary skills like wood burning, yes in lieu of moving the needle forward on the work only you can do. You can take your phone addiction to the next level by turning on all your app notifications and then trying out a few more social media platforms. Or you can avoid every person on earth for days or weeks at a time, including people who want to hire you or give you money or offer you work of some kind. In order to self-sabotage, no matter what, you keep busy. You don't slow down or the noise that you've been so busy tending is going to clear and you'll be able to see your life as it truly is, imperfect and uncomfortable with messy bits and a few sharp edges. I don't say that as judgment. We all have lives that are imperfect and uncomfortable with messy bits and some sharp edges. And the thing is that bravery isn't this big sleeping feeling that comes in takes over, and removes every barrier to strength and resilience from your life. It's a seemingly endless series of small actions that you take over and over again in order to make your life bigger, better, and freer than ever before. The minute that you decide that you're not going to keep busy, that you are going to pursue some sort of work, that you are going to make boundaries, that you are going to stop self-sabotage, fear is going to come rushing in. For me, specifically, fear is this response to the actions that Trump is taking. We are not even a week into his holding office. And there are 12 executive orders and blackouts on scientific research. And then Dakota Pipeline has given the okay. And there's a hold on refugees. And there's no ACA. And these are big, sweeping changes that are happening in such a short time. And fear and disorientation are legitimate responses to these actions. The only thing that I can do in the face of this is to stay bound to action. Self-sabotage and overwhelm go hand in hand. You say, I can't do anything, so you don't do anything today. Instead of saying, I'm going to do what I can with what I have where I am. 
And further, self-sabotage is going to keep happening in each and every moment when you don't stand up for your time, your feelings, your preferences, or your worth. So with self-sabotage number one, you deny the value of your time. That means that you answer the texts, phone calls, or emails after business hours, or on Sunday, or on a holiday, or at 3 a.m., just this once. That's what you tell yourself, just this once. You don't offer a 15 to 20 minute shorter service when a client is 15 to 20 minutes late for an appointment. Or you keep your schedule packed tighter than passengers on the Tokyo subway, and you don't have time to plan for tomorrow, let alone a month from now. And that way you're sort of always in overwhelm because you're always just dealing with only today, only today, only today. And only today is a great system for for recovering from addiction. It is not a great system for planning the next year of your life. Or you procrastinate in endless ways, like sleeping in late or staying up late or getting really drunk and being hungover the next day or cleaning your basement instead of doing that one task or becoming obsessive about cleaning your basement. And then you need to read more books about cleaning your basement. And, And then it becomes this whole like, then you have to go to the container store and Ikea and you have to assemble things and you, then you have to have the greatest basement in the history of basements. And what you're doing is denying the value of your time. There are better ways for you to use your time on a daily basis than to have the world's most organized basement. So the solution, the counteraction, counter, sorry, not a word, to this is to give it 20 minutes. That's it. Set a timer for 20 minutes and do the thing that you are avoiding. If you were avoiding asking someone for help, that's what you do for those 20 minutes. If you were avoiding blogging, then that's what you do. Instagram, that's what you do. Calling people back, that's what you do. Facing your inbox, that's what you do. You give it 20 minutes because you can do almost anything for 20 minutes. There's a podcast about that called Give It 20 Minutes at kristenkelp.com slash podcast if you want to go into that further. Big old self-sabotage number two, you deny your preferences. So this has to do with fundamentally silencing your voice in big or small ways. So in small ways, like you're out with a group in public, you don't speak up, you don't tell your peeps that you're gluten-free or dairy-free or sugar-free or all three at a meal because you don't want to be a hassle or cause any trouble. In other words, you live in fear of being deemed too much, like too picky or too snooty or too dietarily restricted, (laughs) whatever it is. Or to go even smaller, You don't buy the sparkly boots or the rainbow pin or that amazing hat that you saw because you're being afraid of judged for wearing it. Because your voice also comes out in expression through your fashion choices. And if you're like, no, I don't wear colors. I wear brown and black and gray. And sometimes when I'm feeling crazy, beige. You're denying your preferences, and that's also denying your voice. You're turning it down. You're making yourself smaller. You can also deny your preferences in much bigger ways, like You don't tell those people or those friends making fun of people who read books or knit or do crafts or love dogs or protest the patriarchy that you're actually one of the people they're making fun of and you're damn proud of it. And that's the patriarchy anyway, right? So there is some cause that it's like you don't talk about or you you just don't speak up and say, hey, I'm one of the people you're making fun of. And do you want to hear what I think about that or did you just want to go ahead and have your say? Or... You know, if you just you say nothing and just leave. So you in some way allow yourself to be shamed or treated poorly instead of saying, actually, I am that and I'm really proud of it. So the counteraction to that, again, made up word, counteraction, <laughs> the antidote is just ex- 
express what it is that you're feeling. Now, if you haven't expressed yourself in a long time, what's going to come out first is rage. And that's not what you need to express. That's good or sacred or holy. But there is some part of you that's like, I'm going to buy the sparkly boots and then actually wear them, and that's that. Or I'm going to tell everyone that I'm dairy-free because it makes my belly hurt and ask that they not make things with dairy because it makes my belly hurt. And it's going to be like, oh, my God, they're going to freak out. And what they're going to do instead is be like, all of this time, Gary's made your belly hurt and you didn't say anything? Why? And self-sabotage, number three, you deny your feelings. So you keep following that person or those people who in some way make you feel like shit because you quote-unquote should or because eventually they'll say something worthwhile, surely, or because they've made millions or been anointed a, a guru by Oprah or 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 something like that, or both. Um, and they must be awesome, right? Like, you can't, you can't be deemed a guru by Oprah and be saying shit, right? Right? So, so even though your feelings are, eh, something feel right, you keep going because you're trusting Oprah more than yourself. That is not good. And if you're here and you're like, I don't like anything that you say, hang up and go away. It's okay. You can go find someone that makes you feel better about your life or yourself or your work or that truly helps you. And it's your job to follow the people that truly help you. Or you deny your feelings because you don't admit that you actually can't stand the way blank works. Where blank is a key part of your business or your relationship or your family or your home life or your daily routine. Your kids are fine. Your work is fine. Your partner is fine. Your finances are fine. Your life is fine. And we all know that fine is not fine, but you deny it because you just, it's, it feels like it's too much to even say, and so you just keep it down, and you tamp it down, and you tamp it down, and you tamp it down, and you hope that it just goes away. Or you don't listen to that tiny voice inside you that whispers about which clients to take or which project to make next or what to wear or what to eat or which vitamins to take because you don't trust it. And again, the antidote to this is simply to acknowledge those feelings. If every time you go to X person's website, you're like, eee, or your body clenches in some way, good never clenches. Good is always expansive and it's always opening. And you can unfollow that person or those people or that group without guilt completely and totally. Or the antidote that you can admit is that this is not working. Whatever it is, it can be something really small, like the time that you go to Trader Joe's every week is not working. It can be something really huge, like your marriage is not working. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of it completely. You can just admit this is not working. That is being true to who you are and to the feelings that you're having. And then you can listen to that little voice inside you about really small things. So if you're in the habit of not listening to the voice inside you that has some sort of wisdom, you can start with, what should I wear today? Or which sandwich should I eat today? You can start really, really, really small, and you will learn to trust that voice about bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger things. But you can begin to trust that voice instead of denying it. And you can begin to trust your feelings instead of denying them. And then finally, number four, you deny your worth. So you take on a client who's a bad fit just this once because you need the money. Or you give a discount and settle for less than your usual price because a client bullied you a little and said she'd take her business elsewhere. And you were like, oh, God, I can't lose the business. Or you don't start that project because no one wants it anyway. 
by the way, that's not me being a dick, but you're sure of it. Like, no one wants to hear what you have to say. Or you don't take any sort of care of yourself and you run out of steam, you get sick, you lose a week of your life once every few months, and you can't believe that this happened again. It's because, as Brene Brown says, the body keeps the score and it always wins. So in some way, you're denying your worth. Your worth as a human, because you don't take care of yourself. Your work as a maker, because you don't make that new project and no one cares what you have to say. Your work as a business person, because you take that client or you give that discount. You in some way deny the fact that you have value. So the antidote to this one is to acknowledge that you have value. It's to say no to the people who ask for discounts politely and with so much love, but no. And you start that project even though the voice in your head says it's not going to work. And you take care of yourself because it's the very least you can do for the animal that is your body in order to line everything else up to work. The good news is, in all this self-sabotage talk, that self-sabotage is the route to bravery. Every time you're given an opportunity to self-sabotage, you are simultaneously being offered a chance to be brave. In every single instance when you stand up for your time, your feelings, your preferences, or your worth, you're being brave, period. You don't have to go from getting out of the house twice a week, and that's an achievement, to selling all of your possessions and traveling around the world for three years. You don't have to take extreme measures that involve completely and totally overhauling your life. You can take small actions each and every day to help you better manage and support your time, your feelings, your preferences, and your worth. I'm going to give you seven of them. If seven seems like a lot, stay with me. It's not that much. If seven seems like not enough, also stay with me. (laughs) Okay, so questions. Um, I have people on phone. Okay. So I'm going to take a pause to look at your comments and questions for just a moment, make sure that I'm not losing anybody or you're like, what the fuck is going on? Looks like nobody's having any sort of crisis. So again, you can submit any comments, questions, concerns um, on the magical page where uh, that lives. And I'm going to keep going. Here we go. So seven ways to end self-sabotage, i.e. be brave. Every day. Number one, you probably have this one in the bag. If you don't, you only have to do three of these, of the seven, because you're in a place. Number one, get a shower, get dressed, put in an outfit you love, and go out into the great wide world. If you're depressed or an empath or both, this is probably going to be the bravest act that you're going to do on any given day. So if you're like, oh, my God, I'm not brave at all. Like, are you depressed? Did you get a shower and get dressed and leave the house today? Because, because that's fucking brave. We have to look at bravery as within the context of the larger state that you're in and not as this, like, oh, yeah, brave means that you shot people on a battlefield or you toured Afghanistan or you made seven figures by the skin of your teeth using only toothpicks and your wits. Every time that you end self-sabotage, you're being brave. Number two, you can turn off, you only have to do this once in your whole life, and then you just get credit every time that you leave it this way. Turn off app notifications for every single app on your phone. Every single app. And then keep it off. 
So you don't get Facebook notifications and Instagram notifications and Twitter notifications and email notifications. And just turn it off. If you want to check your email, check your email. You want to look at Facebook, look at Facebook. But having it constantly interrupt you does really, really harmful things to your brain and it interrupts your ability to concentrate for any sort of period of time, which is very bad for your work, your life, your, your absolutely every aspect of your being. Number three, ignore your favorite social media platform for at least six waking hours. The larger the block of time, the better. It doesn't have to be continuous. So if you wake up and you're like, okay, between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., I don't look at any social media platform, that counts as two hours. And if you're like, okay, when I'm working between 2 and 6 p.m., I don't look at it, then that's four hours. That's six waking hours that you haven't checked into social media. But being conscious of it, instead of having it constantly open as a tab um, in your browser and on your phone, means that it isn't just constantly begging to be let in because self-sabotage is inevitably going to lead to like the road where you click and click and click and click and click and lose time. And it takes you out of the place where you have very firm boundaries with it. Number four, put your phone in do not disturb mode for two hours and get work done. Doesn't matter what kind of work, business work, housework, professional work, running errands work, cleaning your car work, taking the kids somewhere work. I don't care what kind of work it is. But this, there's this magical thing called do not disturb and your phone has it. Better yet, put your phone in another room for two hours and get work done. I don't care. But when you have really good boundaries around your phone, you make space to get the work that you want to get done done. Number five, take a specific action or set of actions instead of buying another book, class, or program to work through in pursuit of that one thing you haven't found the silver bullet to fixing. Whether that's marketing or selling or SEO or writing or building the following, whether that's hydration or sleep, you do not need Arianna Hoppington's book about sleep. You need <laughs> to actually fucking sleep, right? So instead of reading a book about sleep and then sleeping just as badly as before, you choose to pick a bedtime for yourself and keep it for a week. The more that you can define specific actions and take them instead of letting it lead to another educational rabbit hole, the better you're going to be. So which nagging task, whether it's one time or daily, have you been ignoring even though you make a, you know that it makes all the difference to the quality of your life or your business life? And what is the action that you take to counteract that? Number six, use the skills you already have instead of endlessly learning new ones and then refusing to implement them in any way. So knowledge without action, it's not terribly useful, but it does feel like you're making progress and it does feel like you're doing work. And learning is fantastic and wonderful, but there's a possibility that you already know exactly what to do. You know that you have to send that email to your newsletter list. So you're like, oh, I'm going to work on, my, I'm going to work on building my email newsletter list. No, you're going to send an email because you know what to do. And then feel free to work on building your newsletter list. But it's important that you get in the habit of doing what it is that you want to do. So if you say you want to communicate with potential clients, you send that email. Whether that's to two people or 10,000 people, doesn't matter. You send the email. And then you may take the class about how to grow your list. But you have to put the action first. 
And number seven, work on making the thing that calls to you instead of making another income stream in order to someday start the thing that calls to you. That's fucking brave. And if you think I'm lecturing, like, damn it, you dumbass, get brave. It's so simple. That is not the case. I get it. I've been the distracted worker bee doing other people's tasks. I've done marketing and writing and fixing and editing and planning and strategizing for other people for eight hours a day while my own best work languished in a corner. I've earned millions of dollars, that's not an exaggeration, sadly, for other people while taking home pennies on those dollars. It's taken a lot of years and a lot of big losses, like my marriage and that 43 grand that one time, for me to learn the ins and outs of being brave. There are still days when I cannot see beyond getting out of bed and taking a shower. That's my brave sometimes because of depression. And there are days when I make it all the way through that list of the seven daily braves and feel proud of myself. But realizing that every day, seemingly small choices can be acts of bravery means that I go easier on myself. I don't need to move to Bali and take up vaginal weightlifting on Instagram in order to be brave. So if you know Kim and Ami's work, it's clear that that is her form of brave. My brave is in consistently, continuously doing my work and talking to people like you. It's in coming to the table, my actual literal, literal kitchen table where I am right now, and writing every day. It's in continuing to talk to many people that I may or may not ever meet about the condition of being human and living a bigger life, whether those people are in business or not. It's in continuously renegotiating the boundaries between myself, my work, and current events. And it's in remembering that every day, seemingly small choices can be acts of bravery. Of course, you don't have to do this in alone. You don't have to do any of this alone. Being in a room with people who feel the way you do naturally dispels the fear that you're in this all by yourself, that you're the first person ever to go through X, or that you have no allies in your life as you battle that specific thing. Breathing the same air matters, and it's one of the great opportunities of attending Brave, the two-day workshop happening in Laguna Beach on April 11th and 12th. Because I want to live in a world where bravery is an everyday practice, where it's not treated as a once-in-a-lifetime or only on a battlefield event, and where telling the deepest truth of your soul is more important than squeaking by with a safe, steady, or predictable life. It breaks my heart when I talk to people who can no longer hear the quiet inner voice of knowing because they shut it down a long time ago. So during Brave, I want you to have an intimate experience with yourself. I want you to fling open the doors of your most terrifying dreams and find the joys that have been waiting there all along. I also want to help you brave the waters of disorientation because they're tricky and tumultuous and no one has all the answers, but we can go in search of them together. We'll practice being eight kinds of Brave together over the course of two glorious days in Laguna Beach, California. Yes, it is the very best place on earth. We'll also get honest and feel all the feels and stop treating both you and your deepest desires like you're quote-unquote too much. You can claim your spot for $69 down, and you can head over to kristinkelpcom slash brave to get all the details. A ship goes down on April 11th and 12th for early bird pricing and January 31st, which is soon. The answer to this wild new world we're living in is not to hunker down and wither in fear, but to rise up, speak up, and meet your most courageous self every single fucking day. It would be my honor to help you.
along the way. Again, that's kristinkels.com slash braves. Nab your ticket before prices rise, which is soon. And now it is time for all the questions. Here we go. I'm about to answer them. Okay. I'm just going through, making sure. Okay, so um, first I'm going to check on Facebook. I'm giving Facebook preference. Let's be honest. To check for your comments or concerns. Looks like we're good there. Melanie says, healthy and delicious food in the fridge totally helps with everything. Sadly, it does. Pizza is not the answer. Damn it. I so want pizza to be the answer. <laughs> okay. In order, here we go. Donna in London says, I left my job last year to pursue my dream. Build a business teaching women how to discover and develop their own creativity so that they can not only make cool stuff, but get in touch with their essential selves and get more love, laughter, joy, and freedom in their lives. I made some great progress at first, but I've spent the last three months stuck in one place, allowing distraction to suck my time and not move forward. I'm looking forward to learning some practical methods for overcoming this self-sabotage. What it sounds like, Donna, is that you are approaching your truest work, and your truest work is also your most terrifying work. So when you feel terrified or overwhelmed or like, oh, God, this is too much, it's a really good sign. It's a sign that you're headed in the right direction. When your work doesn't scare you anymore, it's not as alive. Like no one is afraid of a dead crocodile, (laughs) right? Crocodiles are only terrifying when they're alive and they can snap at you at any time. And there is good reason to be afraid there because that life and vitality can really come back and bite you in the ass. And the dead crocodile is just dead and it's it's there and it's no big deal. And so it's easier to have a job or a life that is just full of dead crocodiles, right? Like, it's fine. Nothing's going to hurt you. It might smell funny, but it's tolerable. It's okay. And when you happen upon something in your work that feels alive and fucking terrifying, that's where you move toward and that's what you do. My sense is that if you give it 20 minutes a day and you hold yourself to that 20 minutes, you can eventually expand it to 40 minutes, to an hour, to an hour and 20 minutes. And then you can go right back to self-sabotage. You're not going to end it all at once. But at least give yourself the honor of those 20 minutes a day. Erin in San Diego says, you're so fierce and I love your no focus on bravery. Well, thank you. And it's for now. Who knows what's next? But being brave feels important right now. Meg says, I've been really good at self-sabotage for years. I make an art of it, but you knew that already. Favorite form, not responding to really great phone calls or emails uh, and neglecting emails and phone calls from super strong leads. Right. So, again, Meg, 20 minutes. Every day, every work day, you set the timer for 20 minutes, and that is your top priority. So whatever it is that you are the very best at sabotaging yourself about, you give 20 minutes, and that's the first thing that you have on your list. You are not allowed to do anything else for the day, including any of the work that has to be done, like feeding animals or children, whatever it is, until you've done that thing. And there's no putting it off, and it happens every single day. That reinforces to yourself and to your own like inner workings that you're doing your most important work. If you hear me clicking, just going through questions. And he says, I appreciate the many options for being able to ask questions. Looking forward to the session. Thank you. Damien in Portland says, it's still dark outside, and I'm here. Um, thank you for showing up when it's still dark outside. That is commitment, and I love it. <laughs> 
Stephanie in Edmonton says, I felt the exact same thing that day. It was so sad. I don't even live in the States, and it was devastating. Well, at least I, I was so afraid to talk about Trump. I was like, I never talk about politics, but this is so important. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, and it's that. It's, um, he did spark protests on seven continents, so it isn't like nobody gets it. So that's important. Danae in Chicago says, what are ways you remind yourself of your boundaries and your promises to listen, um, your promises to yourself to listen to your preferences and so on? Um, it can be helpful to write down what your top three boundaries are in any given moment and then to share those with the people who live with you. So it isn't like I'm alone and responsible for uh, no Trump in the bedroom. I immediately, of course, broke that rule, and then Steve slash Bear was like, I just call him Bear, um, was like, uh, what did you say? Did you say the word what? And I was like, oh, fuck, sorry, 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 sorry. So you're allowed to have allies in making places where you don't talk about these things or making sure that you um, stand up for yourself and for your worth and when I say stand up for your worth, I'm not talking about your pricing. I'm just talking about your ability to be a human who takes up space in the world. Because so often it comes down to, do I have the right to take up space in the world? And the answer is yes. And boundaries help you take up space in the world. They mean that you don't fritter away every bit of time and energy until you don't have any left. So write down your top three and then share them with people you love, particularly people that are in your house and let them help you. And if you're talking about a work boundary, then you know someone else who is in your same business or that has a job, then you talk about it there. You can ask people to help you be accountable until you get good at it. And then once you're good at boundary, you don't even think about it anymore. Like I don't even think about screens in the bedroom because it's not really a big deal. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I do have to think about the Trump thing because it's so new and so you there's been a period of adjustment of really getting used to it, and then really deciding if the boundary serves you any longer or not. Brenda says, please don't make me take a shower and leave the house. Sadly, that's really fucking important, I've found, that the days in which I don't shower and leave the house are not as good as the days in which I do. Um, Mel says, leaving the house as an empath on a good day feels okay. On a bad day, leaves me feeling like I need to sleep for a week. How do you move away from that and begin moving toward having a normal ability to leave the house, mingle, and not feel completely dead after? Thanks, Mama. Um, the first thing you can do is get used to leaving the house and not feeling completely dead after. I didn't say you had to mingle. I said you had to leave the house. <laughs> so if you are willing to put on clothing and leave the house um, and for me, often it's go uh, work at the Barnes & Noble instead of working at the coffee shop because then I'm surrounded by books and I'm infinitely happier. And I don't necessarily have to talk to anyone except the person who takes my coffee order, and then I can come home. There is no requirement to mingle. And then as you get better, it's actually been really, really helpful for me. Um, the thing that I spend the most money on in the world, aside from uh, my mortgage, which is number one, is um, that I go out to eat for breakfast every morning. And that has been, that means that no matter what, by 8 o'clock every morning, I am awake, I am dressed, I am out the door, and I'm talking to people. And because 
Sarah and I go to the same place every single solitary day. We know the people there. We know every single person who works there's name and what they like and what they do and we talk to them. And then it isn't so like, oh, mingling with strangers, oh, God. It's we know who's working on what day and they know our order and they know us and they know about our lives and you end up with this little tiny community. So if that is a possibility, to have a daily practice that allows you to get out of the house and go to the same spot, it can be really helpful for being an empath because you know it's a known factor. You know what to expect. You know who's going to be there, and it's good. Versus if we just went out to breakfast at a different place every morning. Not the same. That stability is super important and has been amazingly helpful. In uh, I get out of the house every single day. I could not say that about my life a few years ago. So tiny, tiny baby steps. And you're not required to mingle ever, 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 right? Damien says um, that Body Keeps the Score quote is insanely amazing. Yes, because Brene Brown is insanely amazing. And the quote was, um, the body keeps the score and it always wins. So if you think that you're like, I am stealing from my body. I don't have to sleep ever again. <laughs> no, um, that's, that's not the case. The body is keeping score and still looking to win. I'm going to keep going. Brenda says, everything you said described how I feel. I've been stagnant and paralyzed because I'm depressed and I'm in an unhappy marriage. How do you make the bold decision to end your marriage and move on? Two things there. The first thing is you're depressed. So do you have a way to in some way um, find a therapist, get medication, or both? Because from the place of depression, absolutely everything looks terrible. It might be absolutely terrible, and it might be not as terrible as you think, but your brain is telling you it is. So no matter what the question is, is if it's I'm depressed and, start with I'm depressed. And really do your best there. And it could be that the depression won't break until you leave your marriage, but it could be the depression has a bunch of factors, and you can begin to work on them without making the decision to end your marriage. Secondly, how do you make the bold decision to end your marriage and move on? One day you will know. It will not be a question that you bat back and forth with yourself. You will know. And it could be that something really terrible happens. And it could be that you're just done. You're just so done. You've had enough. Um, for me, nothing terrible ever happens. I was just done one day. There comes a point where you can't take any more and you are done. Damien says, I have so many courses, books, ebooks that I've gathered over the last couple of years, including yours. I know there's good stuff, valuable stuff I need in there, but there's so much stuff. How do I possibly wade in and choose what's most valuable for me to start using? First, I know you have lots of courses and books and ebooks. I do too. I collect lots of books. What is the most difficult issue that you're facing in your life or your business right now? That's the question that you answer. And then based on that, what do you suspect could help? And then you go looking for that and only that. So whether you have $12,000 worth of courses or $100 worth of courses, doesn't matter. That money is spent. What is it that you're facing right now? What do you suspect could help you face that? That's where you start. And it's possible that something that you purchase three years from now won't come in handy until six months from now, or never, and that's okay. You don't beat yourself up about the courses that you purchased and didn't use, but you make sure that if there's an issue and you think something in there could help you, that you go back and find it. 
to wade in, find that, pull it out, take action on that, and then ask that question again. Instead of trying to make a plan to force yourself to work through every single thing you've ever purchased over the course of the next six months, which will inevitably fail because it's like a big, giant life plan. And there might be stuff in there that you don't need, that you've outgrown, it's not interesting, and you go and find it. Uh, Marvin in California says, thank you for your spot on insights. Feeling like an idiot right now, albeit a more hopeful one. I've chosen to disregard some of the most basic forward motions. I don't want you to feel like an idiot. Please tell me you don't feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, if something that I've said feels like really obvious and why didn't I see that, please don't beat yourself up about that. Um, the only thing that we can't see clearly is ourselves in life. And so when people can be mirrors for us, then you just be a mirror for someone else and you consider that a win and you move along. Um, but I hope, I hope I haven't done anything horribly condescending to make you feel like an idiot because that's not at all the case. Rebecca says, I seem to sabotage my boundaries because I get lost in creativity and then I don't get important tasks done. It sounds like a simple flip could be super helpful. So you, uh, you have important tasks, and those happen first, and then you have your creativity. So it could be that the key to getting your most important work done, which is your creative work, is that you have to get your boring or terrible or important shit done first. So for me, um, if I write first, everything else becomes easier and I'm able to handle all the important stuff. That might not be the case for you. You might have to do that you have 20 minutes to get the important things done or 40 minutes or an hour, and then you reward yourself with your creativity. That could be the way that it works. So the creativity is the carrot that you dangle for yourself, especially in business and especially if you're just getting started for important tasks. Those often have to come first so that you're sure that they get done because they're really unpleasant and uncomfortable. I know. <laughs> like, I know. It's terrible. I know. Um, so you might just have to flip it. Can I say flip it enough? I think I can. And then um, we are running out of time. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, issues, now is the time. If you're on the phone and you want to ask a question on the phone, if you press star seven, you can talk to me. I see bunches of you here, so you can press star seven and talk to me, or at least raise your hand, and then I will call on you, old school style. Um, we have people from Virginia and Massachusetts and Georgia and Canada and South Carolina and Texas and Chicago, and I love you. Thank you for coming. That's what she said. Um, three more minutes to take your calls officially. If you're bored and you're like, I don't know what to do right now, but I want to hang in and win that Brave seat, I want you to go to kristencalls.com slash brave. And then you're going to buy it if you don't win it. Come on. You know this. If you're typing a question, type faster. <laughs> um, and then if you need to tell me something privately or you want to email or ask a question, I'm brandcamponline at gmail.com. And I believe it's working now, okay, at kristencalf.com. Boom. Because I can work Gmail. It only took a month to figure that out. I am amazing sometimes. For real, for real, guys. And then um, I don't see any more questions, which doesn't mean you don't have any. It just means that you need to type faster. Uh, you can hit k at kristenkelp.com or braincampaonline at gmail.com. And let me look at all of your questions and comments and all those things, and I will pick the magical winner of goodness and amazingness. 
and Kaisa, KT, Kaisa, Kaisa, you have to tell me. Um, oh, this is such a good question. Hold the fucking phone. Um, what if I only do the boring stuff first because I think I don't deserve to do the fun stuff? Hold the fucking phone. That that question gives me chills. I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up and take a minute here, people. Here we go. The boring stuff is boring. If you think you don't deserve to do the fun stuff, my sense is that your work brings you a tremendous sense of joy and peace and wonder, and it brings you a sense of vitality in your life. It is your duty to the rest of us, to every single person who is stuck in a cube somewhere, to every single person whose form of bravery is getting up and facing their job because everything else is too hard. It's your duty to them to do the fun stuff. It's your duty to all of us to make the work that only you can make. It's your duty to us to take care of us by showing us your heart. Because the world needs more people who are showing the world their heart. And then you do the boring stuff. And you will take care of the boring stuff. That's fine. You will answer those emails and those phone calls and those leads and take care of your SEOs and your who's you watch it and your thing Bobs. That's fine. But you deserve to do the quote-unquote fun stuff because the source of your joy will also be the source of your deepest pain and your work in the world. They're all tied together. They're all inextricably linked, and you need to go exploring there and find out what's there for all of us. Imagine if Albert Einstein was like, yeah, I just do the boring stuff. I do some serious paperwork around here. Um, that's what I do. Instead of doing his quote-unquote fun stuff and finding the theory of relativity. No big deal. Right? Um, it's it's your job and your duty and your honor to go do the fun stuff and then scheduling the boring stuff. If you are good at getting that done, then that comes after the part where you show us your heart and do your work in the world, which is infinitely more scary in addition to being fun. So go and do that and be amazing and wonderful and uh, let us know what you find. I think that's officially the last question. Here's what's going to happen. There are 16 questions, and I am going to pick number seven. So I'm going to count. I have no idea who this is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, Stephanie in Edmonton. If you're still on the phone and you're listening, just email me, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you won yourself a seat to Brave. Hi-ya! It's fucking amazing. I will see you there. Otherwise, head over to christinecalp.com slash brave, grab your seat, because um, it's going to be amazing. And even if you're like, dude, but what about, let's just go, let's just, just, if any part of your heart is like, yes, then go and do it and be amazing. And if you want to be part of the resistance, um, then uh, brandnewcongress.org, she should run.org and trumpresistance.today because apparently political and brave are getting all tied up in my business today. Again, Kay at kristenkelp.com if you want to hit me up about any or everything. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so, so much for your amazing ability to show up and listen and be here. Uh, I love you for it. And please don't hesitate to reach out. Please don't hesitate. Um, Talk to me because I'm here and this is what I do. Thank you so much. May you know the wonder of a, of a day without self-sabotage. May you do the fun work because that's what we all want to see from you. 
May you show your heart to anyone you deem worthy. May you make your biggest and boldest and most joyful work in the world. May you listen to the small voice within inside you that knows the very best for you. And may you not give in to the waves of overwhelming fear and despair that are running rampant today and every day in the world. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you later. The moderator has left the conference. The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you do not want to do this election season alone with your phone, I encourage you to check out jointheantidote.com. It's new. It's fantastic. And promo code TRUST takes $33 off until March 12th. So get on it. Again, join theantidote.com. J-O-I-N-T-H-E-A-N-T-I-D-O-T-E.com. Join the antidote.